first time. There's snot all over this. A lot of baseball pitchers would love to have this. To <laughs> I think I'm going to greatly amend what I was going to do this morning. I so appreciate um, what has been shared already. It's amazing. It's awesome. And it's, uh, I think you fogged your glasses up. <laughs> We're just moving right along. But it's funny, while Guy was up here, I was just thinking about his mom. And what an amazing, amazing woman you have as a mom. And it's, uh, it's such a privilege. My mom's been gone for a number of years now. And um, it's just, it's one of those funny days that brings so many wonderful emotions, so many exciting things. And just you you recollect on just these beautiful women. And yet for other people, it just brings pain. It's one of those days. It can do both. And it's to celebrate. It's the ability to celebrate with people who can celebrate or are celebrating. And it's the ability to weep with those who are weeping. And it's uh, God is good. And he is, um, he is kind. He is merciful. Um, like I said, I think I'm going to amend slightly what I wanted to do this morning. It'll still be something I've never done before, but that's okay. When I think about Mother's Day, I, th I think uh, so many different things come to mind. Um, we've had such amazing ministry over the last few weeks. Uh, Luke was up here, amazing. Darren last week, I've never heard. If you were here last week with Darren Kaspom, amazing. He, he just brought God's heart. Guy, a few weeks ago, uh, stunning, absolutely stunning. I don't know if the... Uh, all the sermons are loaded up on the website, but I, I would encourage you to go back over the next uh, week or so and just what has God been saying to this family? We are, we are and have been so blessed. It's, uh, it's a funny thing when you think about a Mother's Day and um, emotions and, and growing up and, and memories. And um, I wanted to share this morning a little bit about the, the most amazing person in the Bible besides Jesus that I, I think has ever lived, and that's his mom. And um, it used to bother me when I was a, a young Christian, um, when I would hear other people talk about their denominational background and what was important to them. And people would just say certain things, and it would just make me angry as a young, arrogant, um, know-it-all That's not funny. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, yes, I see it. I see it in you. I just remember when I, when I was very, very young, I, I, literally, I knew nothing about the Bible when I became a Christian, nothing. But I began voraciously reading the Word of God, and I was just stunned at some of the things that, I was like, I, it's just amazing. I was like, Are you, you've got to be kidding me. How could this guy be so amazing? But as I grew 
in, in my understanding of the Bible, I, I quickly began to understand I would hear other people say things about the Bible, and I would so struggle. And I want to just read something this morning about, about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I just remember when I was a young person, I used to just, it caused me such internal angst when I would hear certain people say certain things about, G, about Mary. And they would call Mary the mother of God. And I just remember, fingernails. But anybody ridiculous enough to argue with other people over Scripture? Anybody ever afflicted with that sense of, yeah. The Bible actually talks about it and says, don't do it. But I tried it. I was one of the brighter ones. Still might be. There's so many things I used to be in reaction to when, when I was younger, reaction to other denominations and their understanding of people in the Scripture. And, and I would just react to it. I remember growing up, even before I was a Christian, my, whatever my sister loved, I, I didn't like. Her favorite movie was The Sound of Music. Hated it. Just because my sister loved it. Hated cheese. Because my sister loved cheese. Hated Petticoat Junction. Some of the more mature people. And years, not mentality. It's all just living in reaction to other people's understanding or what they value that I just didn't, didn't get, didn't understand. So this morning, I just want to look at the life of Mary and just, just clock with me. So I just, I was going to actually, um, this is the weird part, my wife, help me. I just told her what I wanted to share this morning. She said, well, that's different. Well, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it even more different. I'm going to make it even more different because I am confident and bold, strong like bull. <laughs> if we could put the scripture up, Luke chapter 1. This is the text I just want to start, start with this morning. We're doing a series, No, Grow, and Go, out of Daniel 11.32. We finished several months on knowing God. And this morning, I just, just want to start and touch on growing in God. Growing in God. And Luke 1, 26 to 38, I think you'll have it behind me. You can follow along. You can use your Bible. And the Word of God says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. This young teenage girl unmarried, said, how will this be? Mary asked 
Gabriel, the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. There's a word for a couple ladies here. For no word, for no word, for no word from God will ever fail. Her response was simple. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. In verse 37, I just want to highlight this one verse out of this passage. For no word, this is the angel Gabriel, who stood in the presence of God constantly. And Gabriel spoke to this young girl, an impossibility before. Devastating change about to happen to her. Great and pain. And Gabriel looked at her and said, for no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. And what I'd like to do for a number of reasons, I'm just going to read through some thoughts about this, this woman's life. I'm not going to try and preach or teach or expound. The other night I woke up in the middle and I just felt like the Lord gave me something about this woman's life. Just supposition, possibility, maybe, maybe not. It's when God comes into your life and he gives you a promise and he speaks to you. Most of us are like, amen, how awesome. I can already tell you, Lord, how it's best to work that out. It's a great plan. Let me help you. And we jump in with both feet and we get all excited. We begin making plans and setting things in motion to help God with his plan. When God says something, it's going to happen. And so often in life, it doesn't roll out like we had planned. Totally different. But God, you said, how can this be happening? God, you said. And yet he's sovereign, God is. He's almighty. And when he says, Tom, I'm going to take you to Albuquerque, you think, well, great, we're just going to roll down Highway 44, we're going to cut through Oklahoma, go through the Panhandle, go right next over the Rocky Mountains, we're going to go straight to Albuquerque. And he says, great, you're, you're, you're close because we're going to head north. We're going to go up through Canada, and then we're going to sashay back down through Iowa, and then we're going to go over to the Canadian Rockies. And I put Albu Albuquerque, West young man. He says, oh, you're going to get to Albuquerque. It's just not going to look like what you think it should look like. And this beautiful, amazing, breathtaking young woman had a promise from God, an angel. I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, but... I have not, that I know of, had an angel come and speak to me, that I, besides my beautiful wife. Thank you. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> she ain't my mama. <laughs> Four kids adore her. 
grandkids think she is something special, and she is. But this woman had a promise, impossible to start with. But once things started going, once things started moving in the right direction, a mom wants to get involved. A mom wants to intervene. A mom wants to help this young man, Jesus, into his anointing. And she is really confident of how it's going to end up. Really confident. Why? Because God said so. God said, how could it turn out any way different? It has to be this way. And I know so many casualties over my 40-plus years of walking with God, dejected, discouraged by the road, tragic, set aside their faith because God said, and yet something else happened. He is faithful to his word, and nothing he says will fail. But it's the path that he takes us to get there that so often is the struggle. Does that make sense? So I'm just going to read through my notes. My, my thoughts, I woke up at 4 in the morning the other night, and God just started just speaking to me. And I was just musing, my own musings, with the scripture, what this woman might have thought, what she might have felt. It's a young girl, a teen, like really young girl, a teen. How many teens are in here besides John? Good. A teen to be married. I married a teenager, 19, almost 20. But I know so many teenagers of, like me when I was. Got it all sorted out, and I know exactly I am so ready to be married. And they pushing their mom and dad, why can't I have a boyfriend? Why can't I have this? This girl was not in that situation. She was 99.9% .9 likely in an arranged marriage. I don't know many teens that want their parents in this culture to pick out their spot. I am ready for that. So ready for that. Amen, see? Bling. The word of the Lord with sound effects. 99.9% .9 likely in an arranged marriage. Mary, so lovely, so wonderful, so kind, so caring, so tender-hearted that she could be entrusted with God's own and only son. This Mary, so tenacious, so fearless, so resilient that she could be entrusted with God's one and only son. And in her pregnancy, she was struck with the gift of the most amazing miracle to happen in the history of mankind, aside from the resurrection itself. The miracle, this miracle, is about to bring her family judgment, shame, dishonor, the revulsion of a community. This miracle that she was about to be blessed with was going to bring offense, judgment, rejection, separation. This miracle brought the only perfect baby ever to be born to her. The only perfect baby. See, the Father in heaven had waited throughout history for one unique woman. One woman so godly, 
so kind, so lovely, so tenderhearted, so mentally and emotionally tough that he can entrust his only son, his only son, someone perfect, the savior of the world with her care. Mary was amazing on every possible level. She and Joe raised the baby perfect. It was the perfect baby. And many other children as well. But her eye always, throughout all the years, was on this one child because this one child was a miracle. Yes. All these other kids in her care, she loved them all, but her eye was always, what's happening with Jesus? This child, this boy, this teenager, this young man growing up before. Mary, knowing Simeon had prophesied, Anna had prophesied, all these people, wise men showing up, uninvited into their lives, all saying the same thing. This boy of yours is going to change the world. As a mother, what would you be looking at? What would you be thinking? What would you be waiting for? That moment when everyone else gets the same message as you. Always waiting for the unveiling. Like Superman ripping off his shirt. Always waiting for the moment that she knew would happen. That her son would become the most powerful, the most popular, the most influential man ever to walk God's green earth. The Messiah. Mary herself, she seemed in so many ways so perfect in her own way. Many people didn't understand it. She had a story nobody could swallow. Sure, everybody knew Mary was sweet and kind. But certainly, she had lied about that teen pregnancy. Come on. And you have the audacity to blame it on God. I don't think this Mary's so sweet and kind. I just don't see it. The community wouldn't have it. The longer she stuck with her story, the more isolated she'd become within the Jewish community. Yet still, Mary was wonderful and sweet and kind. She was blessed. She had a husband who understood her. She had a husband who stood with her. In the midst of, I know I ain't that baby's daddy. I'm trusting that dream was real because I know I'm not that baby's daddy. And she had an amazing man, and yet a very, very young point in her life, Joseph, her husband, died, left her a widow. All the promises, all, all the passion, all the love, bunch of little kids all running around, and now her husband's gone. Any support that she knew, gone. This amazing, marvelous, magnificent woman fighting through life on her own. Husband gone. Now she's got to fight the thick and thin of life by herself, leaving her with little provision and no protection. Her knight in shining armor, her man was gone. Now she's standing alone. But she still had this perfect little boy. Maybe a teenager, maybe 20, we don't know. But she's also got a brood of children. She, Mary, has got meals to make, siblings to referee, clothes to wash, make money, shop, cook, clean, pray, hope, believe. Mary just kept 
plugging along because she's tenacious and she's resilient. She's a woman of faith. Be a deep in her heart, she's waiting for that moment when, like Superman, ripping off a shirt, everyone sees the treasure she's been blessed with. Her beautiful, literally perfect son would be seen by everybody. And she waited and waited and waited. Now Jesus was 30. He'd left home. Jesus is now fully accepted in society as a man at 30. Jesus was a rabbi. Scripture says it. It's her son. Jesus was an amazing teacher. It's her son. Jesus was probably the most wonderful son that all those other women wish they had a boy like Jesus. He's kind. Jesus is compassionate. He's the most skilled craftsman in the, in the entire area. If Jesus built you something, it was solid. He's the perfect son. All the other women are jealous. I wish I had a boy like him. And Mary just sat back. You don't, you don't know the half of it. He's a devoted, loving son, a devoted older brother, looking after multiple siblings. Oh, don't think all the other moms didn't notice the closeness between Mary and, Joseph, Mary and Jesus. Mary was waiting for Jesus to step into his role and burst onto the stage of human history, Jewish history, as the Messiah that the nation was longing for. More waiting, waiting. Jesus, why do you keep waiting? She's thinking, as a mom, is this boy ever going to marry? Is he ever going to find somebody? I hope not. There's nobody worthy of my son. She doesn't know he's going to be single. As a mom, what do you want your kids to do? Make grandbabies. Can you imagine Jesus' grandbaby? The son, he's going to have perfect, oh, it's going to be amazing. But all these ladies, they're not worthy of him. But she's all, Mary's always looking, who might marry my son Jesus? She has no clue. This man is not ever going to be married. But she wants grandchildren. And who better to bring them in the world than this Jesus? I mean, after all, it's Jesus. Her hopes get up. You know, so many people find their spouses at weddings. That's kind of an old axiom. And there's a certain wedding in a town called Cana over in Galilee. And she goes, and it's days. It's, it's very different than America. The wedding lasts days, and a disaster is unfolding, a storm brewing. A very close friend that she knows has invited Mary and her family too. The problem is after a few days, the provisions are running low. They're running low on food and wine. The wedding guests don't seem to care. They don't slow down in eating. They just order more. They're not slowing down on drinking. They just drink more. Mary's thinking, don't you care that this family's about to be humiliated? Don't you care? Slow down. But it's okay. Jesus is there. What a grand opportunity. What a perfect stage. He could find a wife, do something amazing. Everyone would begin to notice this man, this boy, is the Messiah. So she goes over to Jesus, and she whispers into his ear, Honey, they're running out of food and wine. Want to do something about that? And Jesus kept telling her, 
I'm just here for the wedding, Mom. But she's got this mom sense on the inside, this innate feeling on the inside. Something amazing is about to happen. This is the moment. She knows it as a mom, right here, right now. Her son's here. This is perfect. He's with his disciples, tons of people. What a perfect unveiling. This is the moment. Mom, Mary, just knew it. For almost 31 years, she had waited for the world to see her son. What her and her precious Joseph had been part of, what they had dreamed of. They wondered at what event, what Jewish festival, maybe a Passover. They could, some celebration that could usher in her son, some public moment. Why not now? So she went over just one more time and just gently pushed him towards Albuquerque. Whispered in his ear, Jesus, why ain't all gone? And Jesus spoke to her. John 2.4 records the moment. As she's pushing, pushing, pushing to get her son up and out. See, they're laughing. John 2.4 says this, woman, this is Jesus' response to his mom's pushing. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Shockingly, amazingly, her son has stung her with words that she could be offended by, yet she's just trying to help the situation along. She, she knew she was pushing, but what mother wouldn't? Your eyes are on the details. This is the perfect setting for Jesus. Do something now. She's determined. She understands the, the anxiety in the, the host family, the anxiety in the head of attendance. So Mary, getting a little bit of a rebuke from her son, walks over to the head waiter and says, whatever my boy tells you to do, do it. And Jesus gets up and turns anywhere from 120 to 180 gallons of water into wine, and the Baptists are forever offended. <laughs> That's not in my note. I just added that. But this woman, Mary, she's satisfied, vindicated his mother. Finally, it's all started. She did help it. A couple of years go by. Mary hears about the teachings of her son because she's back at home with the kids still. Stories of unbelievable miracles that her little boy is doing, except he's not so little now. He's in his 30s. Blind people seeing, lame people walking, dead children raised to life, leprosy gone, healed. My son walked on water? What? Wow, of course he can. It's my boy. Joe would be so proud of him. Everybody loved him. Yet rumors came to her ears that circulating around that not everybody loved her son. He was stepping on religious toes. The ruling body in Jerusalem, most of the priests didn't follow her son's teachings. They were questioning his motives. And she even began to hear that some were plotting his downfall. She thought they're just jealous snakes. Protective mama. She said, it's okay. God said he's going to be fine. I'm standing on what God said. That's okay. My son will expose them for the phonies they are. He just needs to be a little more careful. I should probably be with him. 
Maybe the angel Gabriel will visit the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, just like he visited Joseph and I. Gabriel, that would change everything if he just visit the rulers, convince them of my son, who he is and what our nation needs. And she prayed, she prayed, she prayed all the time. And she was so confident. Why wouldn't she be confident? He was so popular that basically she was pushed to the side now. And she understood it. There's people who need to be healed. I had him for 30 years. It's okay. I don't get to see him, but go do what you do. His siblings, Jesus' siblings didn't understand. They, they were hurt and offended. But she kept defending her son. If you only knew the power of what's going to happen. Mary understood exactly what it felt like to not be understood. By everybody and anybody but God alone. This is going to be amazing, she thought. It's going to be amazing. Then comes the Passover. Thousands are clamoring for Jesus. They're shouting his name. Hosanna, Hosanna. Thousands are getting healed. This has to be the moment, almost like the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee. It has to be the moment. Passover, exactly, perfect. It has to be. And then her son gets arrested, and she hears that her son, Jesus, has been beaten. It, it can't be true. And she ran to the Roman army outpost where the, the jail was in Jerusalem, the dominated section with the prisoners. And she, she saw a man in the courtyard, chained. She looked at that can't be him. It couldn't be him. He's bleeding all over. Ho oh, horrible. I'm glad, it, I'm glad my kids aren't here to see that, that poor man. It didn't even look like him. And she went and saw John, Jesus' best friend, one of the disciples. And she said, hey, where, where's my son? And John just turned and walked away. And she ran after him and just said, John, where is my son? And he just pointed to the man in the courtyard that was bleeding. He said, that's him. The mom can't believe it. It's impossible. He's lying there half dead. Romans are spitting on him, making fun of him. And John just says, Mary, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's her beautiful, precious son, bleeding profusely. This can't be happening. It can't. The miracle birth, Gabriel. No word from God cannot come to pass. The wise men had come. Then she began to hear word of they're going to crucify her beautiful boy like a common criminal. Criminal. The cross, not no, that's where criminals go. My son brings life. Mary's angry. She's confused. She's weeping. She's praying. This can't be happening, and yet it was. All these evil people, the Jewish leaders, Mocking him, spitting on him, beating him on the head. They've got, they have crowns. They, they mocked him and put a crown of thorns on his head. All these evil people. It's my, my little boy. It's my little boy. If Joseph were here, he'd do something. But I'm, I'm here all alone. All he ever did was love people. All he ever, what's wrong with you people? He looks so weak. Jesus seems to be fading. If I could just get close enough to him. John, where's John? Where's his buddy John? He'll help me. And they took him up on a hill where they punish criminals and they die. And they hammered nails into his arms, into his hands and his feet. And John's standing there and they 
They, they have to turn away. She cannot see it. And she thinks if I can just go up and whisper to him like I did at the wedding, he'll call down legions of angels. He'll make this all right. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And then a break, and the Romans are gambling for his clothes, and she takes John, and they go up, and she looks up, and her little boy, Jesus, looks down and acknowledges them. She says, Jesus, do something. And he did. He, he looked at his mom, and he looked at his best friend, John, and he did something. He looked at John, and he said, son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. See, when, I, when I think about Mary, she endured as much heartache, pain as any woman in history. But our perfect Father in heaven believed in her enough and trusted in her enough to bless her with his own and one son, the only son. So Mary's strong enough, tenacious enough, resilient enough, has enough faith. She can endure this. For so many here, moms, but really for all of us, we can learn so much from Mary because there was the moment when he rose from the dead and it changed everything. But it's so easy to lose what happened in the moment for the end because this woman walked through so much, pained so much. And we can forget that she had to walk through it. And there's so many people, women in this room, that are walking through it right now. Right now. And this is the moment we can learn from Mary. To not get stuck in the moment. To not die in the moment. To not become a casualty in the moment. To not indict God and blame God in the moment. But God, you said. You said. And Mary was dying in the moment. The perfect son. See, Mary learn to live beyond the roller coaster of the moment, to steady your emotions, to steady your mind, to steady your heart, to steady your words. So maybe you're in a really difficult place this morning. Maybe, maybe Mother's Day, just the mention of the words brings pain to your very soul. Can I encourage you not to live in the pain of the moment, but to look beyond? Living with eternity in mind as a mom, Maybe you're 40, 50, my wife and I, we know two or three beautiful women in their 50s, never been married, no children, and just the pain that they feel. Beautiful, amazing women. Yet the one thing that they wanted, they're probably not going to have, not naturally anyway. It's the ability to give away love, a mother's love to someone who needs it in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s. Maybe you didn't birth a child. Can you love someone that had a horrible mom, a painful mom, or an orphan? Can you still give away? Do you have faith in your heart to give away what you couldn't give away to your own child? That's God's kind of love. To move past the anxieties, the fears, the feelings of failure. For so many women, life isn't turning out the way you'd supposed, the way you'd hoped and dreamed. Can I have, can you have the, the faith of a Mary 
to still believe, to still trust. For some to give up the right and need to understand, to stop with the wise. Those are always, I found almost always, 98% of the time, the wise is always the wrong question. And to reinsert the word, I trust you. To reinsert, I trust you, instead of why. To reinsert the words, I trust you, instead of when. If I can say this to people who are in pain, who are struggling, and I don't mean this in any offensive way, the choice is really simple. It's not easy. The, the answer is simple. Trust him. It's not easy. To be able to move past your pain and still trust, to be tenacious, to believe, to be brave, to trust your Father in heaven. Luke 1.37, and I'll close with this. Luke 1.37 says this. It's what she heard at the onset before she was pregnant from an angel, one of the two most powerful angels, Michael and Gabriel, recorded in Scripture. Gabriel looked at this young teenager with decades ahead. Gabriel, probably not knowing, but he was given a word from his father in heaven, the father in heaven, to deliver to this young girl. No word from God will ever fail. You may feel like you're headed north instead of west. I would encourage some people to take Luke 137 and put it on your refrigerator. Tape it on your dashboard. Tape it on your stall, your workstation at work or in school. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary, of all people, how can this be? What good can come from this? For no word from God will ever fail. Can you imagine the joy when she saw her son alive? with holes in his hands, holes. Can you imagine the joy? My God, in whom I trust, reigns forever. Can you imagine the joy? She didn't quit. Just pure tenacity to not give up. That's the kind of faith, that's the kind of woman Mary was. Father, may I be found with the same heart. Can we all stand, please? Father, I thank you for the beauty of strong women. I thank you for the beauty of brave women. I thank you for the strength of women to push past their emotions, push past their feelings, and to find you in the midst and on the other side. Father, I pray strength over this body as the days go forward. So many strong women in this church, so many strong men in this church, Father, with the beauty of a Mary, that God would trust her to be tenacious, that God would trust her to fulfill the calling, the high calling on her life, in spite of the stress and the pushback that life brought. Father, that as a church, we would be tenacious to find life, to stand with struggling people, to encourage people who have given up hope, to stand with them. Father, that this, this church would indeed be a place where people find trust in God, that we can weep with those who weep and laugh with those who are laughing and strengthen all those people. Father, bless this church. Thank you for the amazing moms.
here. Thank you for the Jeannie Medeiroses in this church. Amazing moms scattered throughout this room. Thank you for them. Lord, may I remember that on June 1st and August 16th and September 9th and November 4th throughout the year. All while I have breath in my body and my parents are still visible, may I honor them and respect them and bless them. May I not be a fault finder with my parents, but simply love them. I thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, do what you do so great, which is empower and strengthen your people. And thank you for giving us an account of a beautiful woman named Mary who we can learn from. And they all said, amen. amen. Go have an amazing afternoon. Enjoy your lunch. Thank you, thank you.